Ladies and gentlemen, in honor of Independence Day and the birth of our nation, please rise as we play the National Anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? Welcome back to Runners Anonymous, the podcast. My name is Jim, and I am your host for this podcast. And as I said, hopefully you are returning to this podcast. Uh, If you are new, though, welcome. Uh, It's nice to have you here. Hopefully you are one of those people that a previous listener has told you uh, to come and listen to this podcast, and that's how how you uh, found out about us. But if you found out about us on your own, That works for me as well, too. So, welcome, everyone. Well, uh, this is episode five, and this is also the July edition of this podcast, so it's kind of like the big birthday podcast um, for two reasons. One, of course, uh, for those of us who live here in America, it is the uh, official, or at least uh, stated, birth of our nation uh, with uh, Independence Day on July 4th. Uh, although technically history, um, you know, the only thing that happened on the July the 4th is uh, the first people started to sign 
the Declaration of Independence that would continue to be signed through the remainder of uh, July. And actually, King Henry III didn't actually get that until October, November of the same year in 1776. So he didn't actually figure out that we were gone for a few months after this thing was signed and put on a ship and sent. So, you know, it's amazing how much uh, faster we can get information these days. The other reason that this is a birthday month is it happens to be the month of my birthday, which is only a short four hours and five, well, 20 minutes after uh, the close of July 4th. So, uh, yes, I'm a July 5th birthday baby. So there it is. So uh, we're going to kind of use a little bit of a birthday theme here, uh, kind of tie things together. And of course, one of the things that hopefully you still receive on your birthday are presents. And so we're going to look at our segments today as presents, which means I'm not going to tell you what they are until they come. So you'll just have to, like a birthday present, open them up and find out what they are. And hopefully they're not things you'll want to re-gift later. All right, so without any further ado, I think we shall move on to some old and new business. Okay, so in my last episode, I had mentioned that I reached out to Justin McCarthy over at Garmin uh, to see if uh, I could be considered part of the media and thus uh, receive a watch to try. Uh, So far, uh, I have uh, not heard back from Justin. Um, It is the summertime. Um, My interview was back in April. There's lots of reasons why the man may not have or may not Uh, respond back to it, but like I said, we threw it out there. We're still looking out for it. Um, We're going to give this realistically another month to see if anything happens, but I'm pretty certain I know we're not getting a watch. But we'll watch one more time uh, till the end of July, and then we'll probably drop it from this this segment here as far as the old and new business. But just wanted to give you an update. So, so far, no watch. I also mentioned in my last episode uh, about the Runner's World Half Marathon and Running Festival happening this October. Well, for those of you who are not on Bart Yazzo's Facebook page or receive emails from him or anybody else at Runner's World, let me just tell you, this thing is exploding. Every single time I turn around, I think I hear or see something else from Bart, either on Twitter or Facebook which is how I hear from him, about something else that has been added. So for those of you who are still debating whether or not you are going to go, uh, make up your mind soon, because I haven't heard the thing is sold out, but this sucker is going to sell out. Every race is going to sell out. The 5K is going to sell out. The 10K is going to sell out. The half marathon is going to sell out. Um, The whole thing is going to sell out. And they're adding just... Again, you know, now they have two, there's two new uh, movie producers that are now going to be uh, in attendance for this. This sucker is going to be big. Um, I'm certain with, uh, you know, the weight that uh, an organization like Rodale Press and Runner's World has, I mean, they're going to they're gonna shoot the works 
the first time out for a number of reasons. One, obviously you want to put on a good, uh, uh, a good event for people, but also you want to put on a good event so that people will return the following year. I mean, this is not a once and done event. This is going to be something they're, they're planning on doing, you know, every single year from this point on. So, uh, you want to make it good enough that people will return. So there's that. Uh, good news and bad news as far as, uh, you know, uh, getting in right now if you still can. I haven't checked to see if they still have openings for some of these races. Some of these races may have sold out, although I think I, think I would have got an email about any of that if it had happened. Um, good news um, is, uh, you know, you can still get in. Uh, I would not wait. I think by the end of, certainly by the end of July, there are going to be races that are sold out. Um, but you're also, if you're, sell, you're getting in now, um, get your motel now. Um, it's not New York City uh, you know, and the New York City Marathon, so it's not like there's going to be 50,000 people and their families descending on the town. Uh, but again, that town is uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's not New York City. Uh, apartment, oh, apartments, listen to me. Um, hotel rooms uh, in the area are limited, uh, and you really don't want to have to make a 45-minute to an hour drive up from Philadelphia uh, on the morning if you don't have to. If you live in Philadelphia, I suppose you're just going to drive from home, but, uh, you know, so it, you, you want to get in there and get all that stuff done now. A lot of the stuff actually in town, especially the really nice stuff, um, the Sands Hotel, the Hotel Bethlehem, those suckers are already sold out. So if you were planning on staying at one of those two, you can forget about it. They're already sold out. So now you're looking at the O'Connell Lodge down the street if you want to even be in town. So uh, you want to act early if you're going to go to this thing. And I would highly recommend you go. This thing is going to be uh, just a blast. I mean, it's just going to be fantastic. So you, if you can make it, you really do owe, your, owe it to yourself to try and try and come. Okay, and finally, uh, in my last episode, I mentioned for everybody who was listening to the last episode, if you like us, just just tell one friend about us. That's all I'm asking. Don't have to tell the whole world. I'd be grateful if you did tell the whole world, but um, if you just tell one friend, that's good with me. Uh, apparently, a number of you have taken me up on that because uh, I've been checking uh, my subscription uh, rates, and they have definitely bumped up. So, obviously, more people are listening to this podcast. So, again, for those of you who took me up on the Tell One Friend promotion, uh, thank you very much. It uh, has definitely worked. Uh, for those of you who haven't, please give it a try. And for those of you who are the recipients of a friend telling them, hey, you want to check out this podcast, it's actually not half bad, um, welcome again. All right, that's it for old business. We're now going to move on to new business. At the beginning of this podcast, you heard a rendition of the American National Anthem sung by five different individuals and or artists, and there was also an uh, instrumental version in there as well for six different samples to make up the entire uh, National Anthem. All right, so a little quiz for you guys. Who were the five artists or groups that sang? I'm going to tell you at the end, but uh, something to mull it over. If you need to go back and listen all over again, that's fine. Um, but uh, extra bonus points if you can tell me 
where they were singing. Um, you won't be able to tell that for everybody, but uh, there's two of them that you, well, one you definitely should know, uh, and uh, it's pretty famous, and another one that is probably a logical guess as to where uh, this individual or group was singing. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. That ends our uh, little news section, and now on to the next segment, which will be, oh, that's right, I'm not going to tell you until it happens. Okay, here it comes. Okay, what you just heard is our brand new new product jingle. Which, of course, means that now I have a new product to share with you. Well, thank you, thank you. That was very nice of you. But let's get on to our product now. In my first episode, I had mentioned that I did not want this to be a podcast that was all about me. I wanted input from you, the listener, because I wanted this to be a community event. Well, thankfully, one of you have taken me up on this, uh, and uh, my friend in uh, Kentucky, Rachel, has actually told me about a new product. I have not had a chance to try the product, so I'll put that out there ahead of time, but I have... uh, looked over the website extensively, and, uh, you know, since my buddy Rachel says it's a, it's a good product and she uses it, we're going to go with that. The product is called the Simple Hydration Water Bottle, and basically what it is, it's a 13-ounce water bottle. Uh, it's PBA-free, so that means that's the uh, type of uh, polymer plastic that uh, is not going to leach out into whatever you're drinking, so that's also good. Uh, and, uh, What's neat about this is that it's actually ergonomically um, designed to uh, actually fit well into your hand so that when you look at it, there's actually a hook um, designed into the bottle. The bottle actually, they make a hook with the plastic to make the bottle. So that this would actually hook over the top of your, your hand when you're running. Uh, or you could also put it uh, right in the back, um, in the small of your back, and it would actually, it's form-fitted to actually fit nicely into the small of your back. So uh, what's nice about this uh, is that uh, this is also something that uh, you give to your kids. Um, you know, of course, we've already had a uh, an episode on hydration and how important hydration is. And, of course, it's important to your kids as well as you. So it seems like a really nice idea where if you're going on a, a walk with your family or you're, you know, maybe you're running with your kids. Maybe you're getting your kids into running early. Um, this is something that even they could have without having to go out and get, uh, you know, an expensive hydration belt or something like that. So, um, and for people who actually like to run, while holding on to their water bottle. Sadly, I'm not one of those people. I just I can't stand having anything in my hands while I run. 
But if you do, uh, this looks like it would fit very nicely into your hand. Um, the website is uh, www.simplehydration, that's all one word, .com. And the bottle itself sells for uh, for 20 bucks, um, which, uh, you know, it's it's reasonable, I suppose, for, uh, for what you're getting. Um, they advertise that the cap for this thing is 53 millimeters. Now, of course, that means something to everybody listening to this podcast who does not live in the United States. For those of us here in the United States, I already know what your question is right now. Okay, what's what's 53 millimeters? Uh, it actually measures out to basically two inches. So if you already have a hydration belt, um, fuel belt, or any of the other belt, belts that have the small six to eight inch bottles that come with that, um, this is slightly larger than the caps that come with that. Um, give you an idea of how, how big that is. You can also go and get a measuring tape out at your house, put it out to two inches and start measuring bottles. I actually have a very large bottle um, that I uh, bring with me for long runs. Uh, 53 millimeters is smaller than that. Um, that one actually is almost two and a half inches uh, in diameter. I have no idea what that comes out to in millimeters. So for you know everybody listening abroad, uh, I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm an American and we don't use metric here. Um, we should. The rest of you do, but uh, we don't currently. So there it is. Um, but a really nifty looking product. Um, I'm probably going to go and get one at some point because I know my wife actually likes to uh, run with a bottle in her hand. So uh, this may be a late birthday present for her. Uh, we shall see. But uh, it's a neat a neat looking product. Uh, the site itself uh, is also very interesting to look at. Uh, they have a blog on there. They have a racing team. Um, not too many water bottles have seen to have their own racing team, but uh, you know this is a an ever expanding sport. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised at that. So uh, go over and uh, check these guys out, uh, and uh, you know get yourself a bottle. And uh, if you like it, you can. Thank my friend Rachel in Kentucky. If you don't like it, you can blame me. So there we are. And now on to our next topic, which is going to be, yeah, no, not telling. But here it is anyway. Welcome to the next section. As you heard by the music, uh, that was the old Masterpiece Theater theme song, um, which I thought would be an appropriate uh, theme song to have for our Book Club of the Month segment. Uh, I haven't done a Book Club of the Month uh, since the first episode, uh, but since it's summer, one of the things that uh, I certainly uh, associate with summer is uh, a good book, uh, to read. So uh, the book I have for you this month is called Bowerman and the Men of Oregon. Now this is not a new book. The book's been out uh, a number of years at this point, uh, but I've not run into a lot of people who have read the book, 
which is actually kind of a, a shame. It's a very good book, obviously. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be telling you about it. Uh, but one of the things that I think is interesting about getting really psyched about any particular sport or hobby or endeavor is to learn a little bit about the history. And that's really the reason why I'm offering up this book as a summer read. First of all, because it's long. Uh, if you need a book to read for the summer and you're not a quick read like I am, uh, this book will take you uh, a month or so to finish. Uh, it's a large book. It's probably about 500 pages long, <clears throat> which for me is a large book. Uh, for some of you, that's a weekend, but there it is. Uh, but it has a lot to do with the uh, history of the sport. Uh, and, of course, uh, in the title, Bowerman and the Men of Oregon, it talks about um, Coach Bowerman, who was the coach of the Oregon Ducks uh, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And a lot of very famous people have run on that track out there. Probably the most famous and the most uh, one with the most name recognition, of course, is Steve Prefontaine, who is a personal running hero of mine. I uh, really liked his story. Um, if you're not familiar with the story of Steve Prefontaine, Steve Prefontaine was actually uh, not a very tall guy. I don't know if he was necessarily abnormally short, but he wasn't very tall. And uh, sometimes uh, uh, runners can be rather tall, obviously. Longer legs, you can run faster. Uh, but Steve also had one leg that was um, noticeably, apparently noticeably, longer than the other. So he really was kind of like a bumblebee in that uh, he really shouldn't have been able to run as well and certainly as fast as he did. Uh, and yet, uh, through sheer determination, uh, he did an awful lot, which is a good lesson for all of us here in the running community. But uh, the sport will take you through a lot of stuff. It'll take you uh, through the origins of the state of Oregon, since the story starts there. And it goes through everything that has gone through, uh, again, the 40s, uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s at uh, uh, University of Oregon. Uh, talks about, uh, of course, Bill Bowerman, uh, is one of the co-founders of Nike, so you get to read a lot about how Nike came to be. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, you hear about his trips out to New Zealand and some things that happened in there. Um, being a little bit cryptic because I don't want to spoil the whole story for you, so uh, bear with me here, folks. Uh, lots of different people. Um, you get to hear about Frank Shorter. Uh, if you're not familiar with who Frank Shorter is, Frank Shorter is the last American to actually win the marathon uh, at the Olympics. So you hear about him. Uh, you'll also hear about uh, this guy named Jeff Galloway, who also was on the 72 Olympic team uh, with uh, Frank Shorter. And uh, Kenny Jones, who is the uh, author of the, of the book, um, was also... Uh, an Olympic marathoner um, and a uh, team member on the uh, Oregon track team with uh, Coach Bowerman. So it's a really, really interesting story. Uh, like I said, a lot of history. You learn a lot about the sport, where the sport came from, um, which personally I think just makes the sport just that much more interesting. Do you need to know this stuff in order to uh, call yourself a runner? No, of course not. But uh, 
like I said, I just think it makes the sport a whole lot more interesting if you know about the history. I don't know necessarily if I'd go so far as to say, you know, the mythology or the, uh, you know, the legends and so forth. I don't know necessarily that these guys would want to consider themselves a legend. But uh, it, it, it is interesting to see where the sport came from. And one of the things, of course, since uh, uh, Bill Bowerman was one of the people that uh, helped uh, develop uh, Nike, you'll hear that throughout his, his history, he was constantly tinkering with track shoes and what was going to be the best track shoes for his team to actually wear. Um, and he was really a huge pioneer on that. Um, and again, for those of us who are, well, certainly older than 40, uh, we remember what uh, track shoes used to look like. Um, and what, you know, you remember what the first pair of Nikes looked like compared to what uh, running shoes look like now. Um, they were clodhoppers. Even in the 80s, when they were, you know, brand new Nikes, they were clodhoppers. They were moon boots uh, compared to the stuff that we run in now. So uh, really, uh, really interesting book. You learn a lot about it. Um, and it's a good read. Again, it, it, the chapters are divided up nicely. So you could read a chapter, put the book down, and come back to it later. Uh, it, it's not something that you have to continue all the way through. Um, the chapters kind of wrap themselves up very nicely. So you can just read the chapter if you you know are pressed for time or if you really want to stretch this book out for the entire summer. So there it is. It is uh, Bowerman and the Men of Oregon. So if you forget, just think, you know, like Superman, Aquaman, and now you have Bowerman. All righty, on to the next segment. <laughs> That was a little bit longer of a uh, bump music for you than I normally put in, but uh, that particular tune is a song called Peach Cobbler, uh, which I thought is particularly appropriate because we're going to be talking about food. Uh, it's a good thing. So uh, you thought this was just going to be about running. Well, food is actually a thing that goes along with running because you have to eat properly if you want to run properly. So one of the things I'm going to share with you that I've had an issue with 
and uh, calling it an issue is really going to probably tick a couple of people off because, you know, I'm not an overweight guy. Um, some people would call me skinny. You know, I'm 5'10", I'm 170 pounds. Call that whatever you will. Uh, but what I noticed two years ago when I did the Air Force Marathon um, is that if I dropped a few more pounds, got down to around the 163, 165 area, I actually had a whole lot more endurance. Um, partially because, of course, you're carrying 5 to 8 pounds less. Uh, and I actually ran my fastest marathon ever, um, which for some people... Uh, will not sound fast, but for me it was pretty fast. It was uh, four hours and 35 minutes, which I was very, very proud of. Also, because I ran the entire thing, I did not run walking, which I usually do for my marathons, because uh, I usually want to be able to uh, walk the following day. Although I did pretty well after this, even though I ran the whole thing. But uh, getting back to the topic of food. So one of the things that is personally a problem for me. I work, I'm a shift worker. I work 12-hour shifts, which means uh, I get up for work probably about 4.30 in the morning, hopefully have a little something to eat for breakfast. Uh, more often than not, that is a uh, liquid breakfast in the form of uh, one or two cups of coffee, hop in the car, and go make my hour drive to work. Go work 12 hours, hop in the car, make my hour drive back home. Of course, I'm getting out of work at 7.30 in the evening. Do the math. An hour later is 8.30. Pretty much by the time I get in the house, get settled, um, it's quarter to nine. And I'm kind of hungry because the last time that I've actually had a meal was lunchtime. Don't actually get a formal dinner. Uh, might do a little bit of snacking, which really isn't the greatest thing, but... Uh, Lots of times I eat at about 1 o'clock and then I don't have anything to eat for dinner until I get home. So it's quarter to 9. And what I've been falling into is this habit where I kind of eat everything in sight and then go to bed. Now, if you want to gain weight, let me tell you a really good way to do that. Eat a lot of things before you go to bed and then go hop in the bed and don't do anything and don't move for 8 hours. If you want to gain weight, that's a fantastic way to do it because that's how I do it. Um, unintentionally, but that's how I do it. So in addition to eating a few smaller meals throughout the day uh, on days that I'm going to work, um, one of the other tricks that I came up with uh, is, and it's in a lot of the, uh, the journals now, is to have a little bit of Greek yogurt before I go to bed. Now, you're probably thinking right now, why, pray tell, Jim, is it so important that it be Greek yogurt? Well, uh, it has nothing to do with their economy, I'll tell you that right now. Um, but no, one of the things that is actually particular to Greek yogurt is protein. Uh, I happen to have uh, Chobani yogurt here with me as my demonstrator here that I'm going to... Uh, uh, read off of, and after this podcast is over, eat. Uh, but uh, you could pick any of them. Um, Greek yogurt is traditionally very, very high in protein. Now, why is that important? Protein makes you feel full. 
Uh, one of the things I used to do a lot of is have like a little piece of bread and some peanut butter on it because obviously peanut butter has a lot of protein. It would kind of help take a lot of the rumblies away and I could crawl into bed without feeling like I need to eat half the fridge before I climb into bed. Greek yogurt does the same thing. Matter of fact, uh, one little cup here of Greek yogurt here, this again is uh, Chobani yogurt, uh, if you want to know the name brand. Uh, this has 140 calories, which really isn't a ton um, unless you're really, really being strict on your on your diet, but that really isn't a ton. But it comes with 14 grams of protein. Why is protein also helpful? Because protein helps you rebuild muscle. Uh, it's one of those things you need to get back into your, really should have uh, more protein than the average bear if you're going to be doing a lot of running because you're going to need to rebuild muscle because as, obviously as you run, you're making little micro tears in your muscle and you need to fix that. Um, all that's normal, the micro tear stuff, that's all normal, that's what normally happens, but you still, you know, it's still a micro tear, you still need to fix that and your body requires energy and it requires protein to do that, so want to help it out. Um, the other thing that also is really good, and uh, this is where this uh, conversation is going to turn a little bit uh, uh, to the gross for some people maybe. Uh, if you remember a while ago, um, there was a commercial for a particular type of yogurt uh, that came out that they said actually was helps you to uh, stay regular for uh, to make it as less gross as possible for some folks here. Uh, and they actually got into a lot of trouble for making that claim. Uh, there was something particular about their yogurt that helped people stay regular because any yogurt that actually has active yogurt cultures in it will do that. So uh, they can't say that there's anything particular about their product that helps you go to the bathroom. Uh, but I'll tell you something. It's uh, something to uh, think about. I wouldn't think you'd need to think too long about it. Um, but uh, it is something to consider um, because, uh, you know, when you get up in the morning, um, especially if you have a race day or something like that coming, I mean, the last thing you want to be is constipated. Um, you know, if uh, you're staying someplace, you want to kind of be able to deal with some of that stuff at the motel room rather than try to deal with that at the uh, Portage John because, as everybody knows who's been to a Portage John more than once, uh, it is a little bit of a Russian roulette as to whether or not there will be toilet paper or a sufficient amount of toilet paper. So if you can deal with that in the motel room rather than at the Portage on, so much the better. Um, or uh, as what happened to me one time, I actually was out with uh, some friends and it was a big Tex-Mex and beer night. And then I went out for a 20-mile run. And no, oh, say around mile five, um, uh, it was, uh, shall we say, uh, an interesting run to the nearest portage on. So, uh, since I don't want any of you nice people to be in that same predicament, uh, there's another reason to uh, grab yourself a little bit of Greek yogurt before you go to bed so that uh, you don't find yourself in, shall we say, a really crappy situation. Okay, onward and upward.
as some of you may have guessed by the music, this is the last segment of this podcast. One of the things that um, I stated in my first podcast was that the length of these podcasts were going to be somewhere between uh, a half an hour to an hour. Uh, I gave myself a little bit of leeway for the main reason that, you know, if I had months where I really just didn't have a lot of information uh, to throw on, I really did not want to just, you know, talk incessantly uh, for an extra 15 to 20 minutes just to make it an hour-long program. So this is going to be one of those shorter ones. Um, So uh, hopefully we'll have some more information. It'll be a little longer program uh, for August and uh, episode number six. But uh, with things going on in my life, I have a major project that I'm working on for school for most of the most of the uh, late spring and summer. So that's really occupied an awful lot of my time that normally would have been occupied with uh, this podcast and uh, researching new information and stuff to share with you. So this will be a shorter one, but uh, I wanted to pass that along. But anyway, with this being the last segment, I did promise you that I was going to tell you uh, who uh, the people were who were singing. So I want to give you guys a chance to just think about it one more time, and then we're going to come back with the answers. Okay, so the first person was. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? If you guessed Carrie Underwood, then pat yourself on the back. You are right. Okay, the next one was. Now, this one was a tough one. Uh, This could have been any large choir, but since we're talking about the 4th of July, we're talking about something that has an awful lot of national pride to it. Uh, I picked a military choir. Okay, probably doesn't help you much. But uh, it was the West Point uh, men's choir uh, that sang that part. So uh, there's that one. Okay. The next section was... Alright, if you got this one, then you have superhuman and godlike abilities. Because, uh, actually, I almost forgot who the, this one was, and I made this. Uh, this actually was a... Uh, Trumpet group, uh, it's Atlanta Trumpet. I'm, for, I'm honestly, I'm forgetting the name now. Um, shoot. Well, anyway, it's a trumpet group from Atlanta um, that did that section. All right, moving on. Next section. All the ramparts we watched were so gallantly. 
streaming. This one was a bit easier. This guy has a pretty recognizable voice, as long as you've listened to popular music in the last 30 years. This, of course, was Michael McDonald, uh, former lead singer for the Doobie Brothers. Like I said, he's got a pretty recognizable voice. I figured a lot of you people probably caught that one. Okay, the next person was... Okay, this was the easiest one out of all of them. This was, of course, Whitney Houston, and this was taken at the Super Bowl. Probably, well, certainly one of her more famous renditions of the song, and probably from a lot of people that I talk to, uh, their favorite rendition of this song. All right, the last performers were... Did you guess the Moody Blues? Well, if you did, you were wrong. It was the Grateful Dead. Uh, for those of you who know anything about the Grateful Dead, I'll give you a second to think about where they might have been singing that. You just need to give me the city. Yep. For those of you who guessed San Francisco, that's right. That's where the Grateful Dead come from. They're actually singing at Candlestick Park in front of a in, before a baseball game. So uh, that's. Uh, the National Anthem quiz for you for this program. Hope you guys enjoyed that. A little bit of uh, trivia, considering uh, it's a big part of uh, the month of July for us here in America. So that's all we've got. Now it's time for the closing credits. Well, that's my show for this episode. For those of you who also live in the United States, a very happy Independence Day. And uh, for those of you who live elsewhere, um, a happy July. Uh, for those of you who live above the equator, a happy summer. For those of you who live below the equator, I guess it's, uh, it's winter for you guys now, isn't it? For those of you in Australia, it's technically what you would call winter. So hopefully it's a nice winter for you guys. All right. Well, that's all I got. Um, thanks for uh, tagging along again. Please uh, tell your friends about this podcast, especially if you liked this podcast. Um, but uh, seriously, thank you very much for, for downloading this and really look forward to seeing you again next month. But until then, that's all I have. So, gotta run. <laughs> <laughs>